Welcome to the ninth episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So uh, earnings seasons for the carriers has wrapped up. We've covered AT&T and Verizon already on the podcast. I thought we could talk a little bit about T-Mobile's quarterly results. Uh, and after that, maybe talk a little bit about the quarter in general or in aggregate in terms of how things are looking across wireless. So to start with T-Mobile, this is a pretty impressive quarter across a lot of different metrics. So they cleared 100 million total subscribers, 2 million net ads, of which almost 700,000 of those were postpaid phone. Pretty low churn, even though they've uh, integrated Sprint into their churn figure. And also some pretty significant build out for mid-band 5G, which if you remember is that Goldilocks zone for coverage versus speed. They're covering 30 million pops as of Q3, and they plan on being up to about 100 million by year end. What were your thoughts on this quarter for T-Mobile and, and what, what's next for them? It was a very good quarter, right? Usually you can, you either buy customers and you pay for it with lower ARPU or you let churn slack or something you know, something gives. And not really anything gave for for T-Mobile. So they advanced on every metric, which is a, a very difficult task. And they managed it in a in a challenging quarter, but the quarter overall was a interesting quarter. We had like a substantial growth quarter. It's like what I was joking, it's like everybody is a winner, right? They are working very hard on expanding the network, the nationwide or what, 270 with low band and should be nationwide by the end of, or, or 300 million by the end of the year. They added, in my opinion, about a million of these enhanced project 10 million uh, devices, where here I think, and, and they can only count them if they are actually getting money. So they kind of created a hybrid between the Project 10 million, which if you remember, it gives 100 gig of data free and added to it a pay option of like if you go above the 100 gig and those they can count. And that was about a million. So Project 10 million, just to pull back a little bit, was a program for schools for kids to use hotspots for learning, right? Yeah. And originally it was deployed as a free service and it looks like T-Mobile has managed to change the program a little bit so that there's a, a pay option as well and that they've signed up roughly about a million subscribers yes. via that, correct? Yes. Yes. So that's roughly that. Good job, right? The churn, when we when we peel back the churn a little bit, was 0.9%. And if we believe what T-Mobile is saying, you know, that their magenta base is roughly that of AT&T or, or Verizon, that indicates that we have about 1.35% churn on, on the yellow base, the former Sprint customers. And that indicates that they're giving T-Mobile a chance. Usually what we see when companies are getting bored, you know, customers run to the exits and we see a slowdown in churn. So, you know, great quarter. So early indications suggest that Sprint customers are not leaving T-Mobile in an accelerated fashion, right? So they're, they're yes. sticking around, giving, giving them a chance, which is, yeah. like you said, not always the case in terms of mergers and specifically with Sprint. 
there was a history around some kind of mergers that, that drove a lot of churn when Next, Sprint bought Nextel. And I think Sprint, uh, T-Mobile is following the Metro PCS playbook, which was one of the best executed mergers in U.S. wireless history. So they're, they're doing a good job. And then they, they launched the T-Vision thing, which, you know, I kind of poo-pooed the last time we talked about as a complement of the in-home internet, either over 4G, which they launched, or 5G, which I think they will launch either this quarter or early next quarter, and so that they can go to people and say, oh, you have a cable connection with uh, video? You know, here is a similar kind of product. But it's still not a full-fledged product, right? There's CBS missing. There's all of this stuff missing. I like Mike Siebert, but Mike Siebert was like taking the piss out of the carriers when he said like, what, two years ago that the problem with the speed of cable is that it moves at the speed of cable. Well, the the T-Vision offer is moving at the speed of cable because they bought these guys over two years ago and now they launched it without CBS, right? That's the speed of cable. It's it's a it's an ugly business. It's it's a very complicated business, and the distributor gets the blame. Well, what what Mike did say on the call, and I think we, we said this on our call about this as well. It's really less about the TV service as much as it is about the broadband service. Which on the call yeah. they pointedly refused to talk about a timeline, but we think it's going to be sometime next year, probably first half next year. Probably even this year. They they need critical mass. And with 100 million pop coverage by the end of the year, they should have critical mass. So let's talk a little bit about the industry as a whole. Everybody, uh, with the exception of track phone, was up in terms of subscribers. And Dish, right? And Dish, and Dish. Well, let's actually take a little bit of time and talk about Dish. So Dish reported, as you know, the Sprint prepaid customers under the Boost brand a win over to Dish as part of the acquisition. Can you talk a little bit about how Dish did or what, what they talked about on their call? I, I thought it was a little light on details. Dish lost 212,000 customers, and that compares to 207,000 a year ago when it was still run by, by Sprint. They have $38 ARPU, which didn't change much either. So I think Dish is still learning the business. And you can't blame them for that, right? They achieved a, a very significant uh, win uh, here now in early November 2020 by having their build-out requirement that was for 2023, June 2023, 70% of each PEA, which is like partial economic area. There are like 400 and something of them. They, they, they were supposed to build out that to 70%, which is a very hard metric. The FCC was lenient with DISH again and lowered it to 50%. And by 2027, 70%. So I am just in awe with how skillfully, masterfully Charlie Ergen plays these guys in Washington. It's not even funny of how many breaks he gets. Good for him. But other than that, it, it's like... They built their network, and they talk about that because nothing, not much else is there to talk about right now. Right. They they talk a lot about network slicing on the call. 
which was I thought was interesting. It's the ability in, in the new 5G and our standard to basically form private networks on top of a cellular network. And that's a little bit different than I think what some of the carriers are aiming on doing right now. Not really. Everybody can do network slicing with a 5G core. It's not like some special ability that DISH will have. DISH just talks it up. And what I find always interesting with Charlie is how he moves that shiny little object around and everybody looks around. But AT&T can do network slicing. T-Mobile can do network slicing. Everybody can do network slicing. It's just DISH talks about it the most. They're not talking about it as a, as a core aspect of their strategy in the way that DISH is, my point. Yeah, because they don't have anything else to talk about right now. They have to fill the empty air on, on the earnings call when the analysts only want to talk about wireless because they don't want to talk about cable because cable is a, or satellite TV because satellite TV is a dead topic. What else should we pay attention to for this quarter going into the fourth quarter? Well, for, for, for this quarter, you know, with on, on the strength of what, I, what we saw here with T-Mobile, I, I would look at what AT&T is, is going to do also around that education program and one that is more focused on, on the teachers and the school districts here. So it's a very interesting take. AT&T has been at the forefront of closing the digital divide and closing the home, homework gap. Now they have here a, a form, more formalized offer. I, I think it's quite interesting, you know, $15 unlimited usage for hotspots for students. And then they chip in another $10 million to to connect people who can't afford the $15. Right. The other interesting part of this plan, this plan, I thought, was that for every 24 students, they'll also activate a teacher line. Yeah. Right. So as as students are having to, to learn at home, teachers are having to teach at home. And so, you know, by providing connectivity to teachers as well, I think that's a, a good solution that's that's fairly unique relative to some of the other education offerings out there. But yeah. And then, you know, with retail being back to normal basically for mobile carriers the mobile activity what we saw in industry-wide net ads it will most likely look like a pretty regular quarter churn should be still down because we still have gone down from four to three carriers right that takes out about you know 20 25 percent of people disconnecting and it's one of the reasons why churn is so low and we predicted and, and knew that. And, you know, then we have on top of it pretty aggressive or generous phone promotions led by, by the iPhone 12. So should be a good quarter. Should be interesting. All right, Roger. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Talk to you next week.